New Year's resolutions, as many people do, is thought to have first originated in the ancient uh, Babylonian culture who made these promises, and they made them to earn favor from their gods, who isn't the God of Isaac, Jacob, isn't the God that we worship, isn't the father of Jesus Christ. But they thought, as many Hindus and other religions do, that they could appease their God. So they made these New Year's resolutions, and they would reportedly vow then to pay off debts and return, you know, borrowed farm equipment and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where they began. I'm not criticizing anyone for making a New Year's resolution, even though the basis of it is to false gods, because the Bible does say that we do need to count the cost of what we want to achieve as we build towers in our lives, whatever that tower might represent to you. But as we go into this new year, it is a good year for all of us to face some of those personal issues, some of those hopes, some of those dreams. It's good to set goals to be better than we were last year, particularly better spiritually. And that's the emphasis of my message this morning. We're all hoping for a great year, but we also realize none of us know what this year will bring. We just don't. It will bring some trials, some temptations, some tribulations. We know that. We want to avoid those difficulties, generally at all costs, but realistically, we know they'll come our way. So the question is, how are we going to handle those things that are going to stretch us, those situations that are going to try our patience, those things that are going to disappoint us and bring pain and maybe even doubt into our life? So I've chosen this morning on this first day of 2023, a portion of scripture written by Paul, and it's addressed to the church in Corneth, but I really want to apply to us, the church here, when at you first assembly. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to go verse by verse today. We're going to start with verse number one of chapter number one, and we'll cover the first 11 verses. There's actually six points. They're on the back of your uh, program. You can go to WFA.church live stream, and all the notes are there as well. But I want to offer to you today something really solid, and the most solid, trustworthy thing I can offer you is the Word of God. It's the scriptures, okay? So I want to offer you six different ways that I believe you as an individual can flourish in 2023, no matter what comes your way, in the midst of trials, troubles, tribulation. I think if we follow the advice of the Apostle Paul, we will have a really good, prosperous new year. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 begins... Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corneth, together with all the saints throughout Archaea. <coughs> so my first point is that we need to face this year knowing who we are. We need to face this year with a sound salvation. Notice Paul immediately identified who he knew he was. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I'm an apostle because of the will of God. Not because someone put me in this position. Not because I chose to be in this position. I am an apostle because God has put me in this office. If you want to flourish in 2023, you need to be just as convinced who you are in Jesus Christ. That you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. That God is with you, will not leave you, will not forsake you. You have to be sound in your salvation. That is a key to flourishing in this coming year. It's to know who you are in Christ. Your identity. Because Satan is going to lie to you. He's going to tell you that you're all sorts of things. Your neighbors might. The world will. Where do you find your value? Is it in how you feel when you get up in the morning? I hope not because our feelings fluctuate as much as the weather fluctuates. We need to know who we are in Jesus Christ. Our identity, our value, we need to have that same confidence the Apostle Paul did and face this new year with sound salvation. Think about Paul for a moment. If he had reflected on his former life where he actually chased Christians for the purpose not only of persecuting him but killing them. Man, that baggage could have been more than Paul could have handled. Yet he knew who he was by the will of God. He had a very unique conversion. We know that. The Lord visited Saul as he was on the Damascus road. And in visiting him, the Lord saved his soul, transformed him, turned him around. Man, the conversion of Paul was very unique, very legendary. But your conversion is too. Your conversion is unique to your situation, your salvation experience. And if you haven't ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart, today's the day to do it. To say, Lord, I give up trying to manage my own life. I'm going to come into agreement with your word. I will claim who you say I am. I will walk the way you say I should walk. Paul had this undeniable calling, and he wasn't wavering in it. And you and I have to have that undeniable calling that we are children of the Most High God. Paul flourished due to honoring his calling from God. You know, you can glorify God simply by your testimony that you are one of God's children. Now, we also know something else about Paul I want to bring out before we move on to the second verse. And that was he had these companions that walked with him. You ever wondered why he even names Timothy in the very first verse of this letter? Timothy was a loyal, faithful companion. He was a son in the faith. They were in some ways joined at the hip. We all need people in our life as we enter 2023. God did not intend for any of us to live in isolation. We are a community. One of the values of Wenatchee First Assembly is authentic community. People you can walk with, you can be transparent with, you can be honest with. 
people you can call and ask for prayer and ask for help. We all need people in our life if we want to be sound in our salvation. Now, the second verse says this, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to face this new year with that same powerful peace that Paul did. Grace and peace to all of you. Again, we don't know what 2023 will bring. This next year might be a year of major improvements for you. It could be a year of dark desperation. But the one thing that you can bank on going into this year is God has provided each of us with grace and peace. Peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that's not dependent upon outward circumstances. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, The Lord of peace will himself give you peace always. Man, if you're taking notes, write that down. 2 Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 16. The Lord of peace will give himself, the Lord of peace will himself give you peace always. And there's gracious power in peace. There is power in peace. The peace of God is a very powerful tool in our arsenal. And you know, it doesn't cost us anything. It's a gift. Just like our salvation, Jesus came to give us peace. A gift for you and I. A peace that's so powerful, it has this stabilizing effect on your life. Then no matter what happens, it keeps you in a state of sound mind. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. How? In Christ Jesus. Goes back to your sound relationship with Christ Peace that Jesus gives is not, friends, an absence of trouble. (laughs) It's a confidence that he's with you. Always. Even in trouble. God provides that for us. Man, John 14, 27. I want to just give you three verses real quick like here. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. Psalm 29, 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. What a gift. Paul knew it. He said, grace and peace are there. And then finally, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You, meaning God, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, for they trust in you. The Lord is our provider for peace. We don't have to buy peace. You can't earn peace. It is a gift for you and I. And his peace is perfect. (laughs) It's perfect. It'll be adequate for whatever 2023 brings to you. And as you trot into the new year, one thing you can count on 
is the powerful peace of God. And it's not just enough peace to get by, it's plenteous. In this new year, there will not be a day that God's peace will not be plenteous for your situation. In the midst of grief or gloom or hurt or heartache, on those days that you feel like you can no longer put you know, your foot in front of the other, he's there to give you peace. Growing up, Back in the 60s, we often would sing a song that was actually written back in 1889. And here are just a few of the lyrics. Far away in the depth of my spirit. Now think about that. Far away in the depth of my spirit tonight rolls a melody sweeter than song. In celestial strains, it unceasingly falls or my soul like an infinite calm. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my soul forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. What a treasure I found in this wonderful peace buried deep in the heart of my soul so secure that no power can mine it away while the years of eternity roll. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace. Romans 15, Now the God of peace will be with you. Accept that peace. Take it into the new year. Grace and peace is a key to us flourishing this year. Let's look at verse number three and four as we work our way through this passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all, say it with me, all, all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. My third point today is to face this new year with this compassionate comfort that God has promised. In this text, we not only find that God is the provider of peace, he's the provider of comfort. It's a great text. It really is. Man, we've looked at the key of being sound and secure in our salvation. And we've looked at the key of utilizing this powerful peace that God gives to us. And now I want us to consider the comfort that God extends to all of us. In turn, we're to offer that same comfort and compassion to other people as they face difficulty. Because the gift of comfort is divinely supplied. It's not our comfort, it's God's comfort. We're passing it along, right? The text says that God is the God of all comfort. That's encouraging, that's exciting. The comfort that we're afforded doesn't come through some secondary, uh, you know, cause, not through another person. Now, God can use that person, but the ultimate source is God himself. It comes from the throne of God. Reminds me of that verse in Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. God can comfort us because Jesus took on human flesh and experienced everything that we are experiencing. That's why we can come boldly to the throne of God and we can obtain mercy, we can find grace, we can find comfort. It's been told that during Queen Victoria's reign over the United Kingdom, she heard of uh, the wife of a common laborer who had lost her baby. And Queen Victoria had actually lost a baby, so she knew what that sorrow was like, and she felt moved to express her sympathy. So she actually left her palace and she called on the bereaved woman one day and spent some time with her. This is the queen. And after she left, the neighbors, of course, were all giddy and excited and they went over to this lady and they said, what did the queen say? And the grieving lady looked up and said, nothing. She said, Queen Victoria simply put her hands on my hands and we wept together. The queen visited this lady's home and didn't say anything. She was just there because she understood and she cried with her. And that is the way God is with us and that's the way we need to be with one another in an authentic community. Man, you don't have to have the answers. Just a card of encouragement. Just a text saying, you came to my mind today, I'm praying for you. Sometimes we think we have to figure out how to solve people's problems. No, we just need to walk with them the way that Christ walks with us. Oh, we need to move on. Verses five and six. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 5 and 6. Uh, I'm going to have to get either some readers or a bigger print Bible. One of, this could be the year you see your pastor in glasses. It might be. Okay, here we are. Now, first thing, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives... So also, uh, through Christ, our comfort overflows. And if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. What I wanted to, to point out here is that we need to have insightful input And that insightful input only comes as the Holy Spirit gives us that discernment. We're we're spirit-filled Christians. We're, We're a Pentecostal church. We believe in not only the fruit of the Spirit, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment. That's the insightful input that the Holy Spirit can give us. Man, it would do all of us good to understand that every one of us is going to suffer hardships and heartache. None of us will be immune. In fact, someone asked C.S. Lewis one time, the guy that wrote the screw tape letters, he said, why do the righteous suffer? 
And C.S. Lewis said, why not? And then he said, after all, they're the only ones who can take it. See, Jesus himself was not immune to suffering. And as his followers, we're not going to be immune to the same path of suffering. And we've got to understand with insightful input that hardships for our brothers and sisters are a part of life. If we allow ourselves that mindset, you'll be ahead of the curve in 2023. The Lord suffered, the apostles suffered, Paul suffered. Suffering does not mean that God has abandoned us. No, in reality, he's molding us. Shaping us, forming us. It's been said that on the bedroom wall of Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of the last couple centuries, he had a plaque, which was Isaiah 48.10. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. Spurgeon must have realized that it wasn't for even his sake. It was for the Lord's sake that Spurgeon had to go through some of the difficulties he did. See, we're chosen. We're king's kids. But we don't always live in the palace. Sometimes we live in the furnace. But it's okay. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego found out that even in the furnace, Jesus was there with them. There was that fourth man. As you know, we distribute every quarter a little devotional called Our Daily Bread. And I hope you, you know, pick it up and, and use it. It's really a good tool. And in that devotional was this little story here. A man named Bailey once visited an orange grove where an irrigation pump had broken down. The season was unusually dry and some of the trees were beginning to die for lack of water. The man giving the tour then took Bailey to his own orchard where irrigation was used very sparingly. Those trees could go without rain for another two weeks. And he said this, you see, when they were young, I frequently kept water from them. This hardship caused them to send their roots deeper into the soil in search of moisture. So now my trees are the deepest rooted trees in the area. And so while others are being scorched by the sun, these are finding moisture at a greater depth. Man, may we have roots that go deep into the love of God into the promises of his word because the true believer and follower of Jesus will flourish even in the furnace. Verses 7 to 10. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in the comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but of God. 
Man, if you go through a difficult time this year, think about that. Man, this is helping me to rely upon God and God alone. And then he says, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. We need to face this year with what I call triumphant trust. And that's my fifth point today, triumphant trust. I think that's what Paul is saying here. He had this firm faith of steadfastness of the believers there in Corneth. I want us to embrace this new year with a firm commitment to the steadfastness of God's faithfulness. Psalm 910 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 3740 says, The Lord helps them and delivers them, delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. See, trust is that, again, a stabilizing factor in our life, as peace is, as comfort is. And Paul told the people here of Corneth that he was not even able to trust himself. He used the word rely, or at least the translators did when they translated the NIV. <coughs> rely or trust. I can't even trust myself, but I can trust the Lord. We need that kind of stabilizing, triumphant trust. Trust that stabilizes us in the midst of death, in the midst of despair, in the midst of depression or doubt or defeat or danger or drama or division or whatever it might be. We need to have trust that is steadfast and stabilizing as Paul did. And then finally, and this really comes back to what Pastor Darth mentioned a few moments ago about starting the year with prayer. But not just starting the year with prayer, continuing the year in prayer. It's not just a one-week deal. We need to be people of prayer all year round. And notice verse 11, that's how Paul says. He says, as you help us, what? By your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answering or in answers to the prayers of many. The sixth key I find out of this short passage is that we need to have partnered prayer. Paul didn't just pray for himself, he had others pray. He appreciated his prayer partners. And Paul tells the people of Corneth, and I think the Holy Spirit is telling us today that there are helpers in our life. And those helpers are the ones that simply pray. Every one of us should have prayer, a prayer team or at least someone that is praying for us. I really believe that. You may not ever preach the word of God or teach a Sunday school class or sing a song, but being a person of prayer is a wonderful way to partner with somebody else. Praying for someone can be vital. It can be maybe your ministry this year is being a prayer partner. We have a prayer team. 
I, I think there's, I don't know, 80, 85 people. Every, every Monday, they get a prayer guide and they pray for needs. Maybe God's calling you to be part of that prayer team. Or maybe you weren't aware of that. So next time you need prayer, you need to contact us. And they say, man, I, I need prayer. Prayer is, is thoughtful. It's thankful. I am so thankful for those who are mindful to pray for me. There's many in this room today that I know pray for me every day. That sustains me. That is so important. And there's others on my prayer list that I pray for every day. We need partnered prayer. Again, we can't do this on our own. Paul thanked the people who had prayed for him. He realized this was a vital key to his success as a follower of Jesus and as an apostle. I want us to face this new year with a thoughtfulness to pray for others and to pray with an intentionality for an awakening, an awakening. We need awakening. I need awakening. Our church needs awakening. Let's not just say, oh yeah, that's great. We'll pray this week. But I, I really believe God is stirring up a call for us to be people of prayer. You know, you can be thoughtful in your prayer, specific in your prayer. I have a good friend who's a doctor. He lives on the West Coast in Delaware. I shouldn't say a good friend. He's more of an acquaintance, but I, I know him. I consider him a friend. It's a wonderful relationship. He just texted me today, just this morning, to thank me for my prayers and the text I had sent to him this past year. And he said, I couldn't make it without knowing that there was someone who was praying for me. I thought, wow. And it's not a, me, it's just the fact that he knew he wasn't alone. Prayer is thoughtful. Prayer is thankful. Man, there are people that I'll never be able to express my gratitude, you know, to, for their support, for their love, but I can thank them in my prayers. I can ask God to bless them. Man, we may nay, might not fully realize the importance of thanking those who have blessed us in the ministry of prayer. The least we can do is tell them how important their prayers are to us. So as we begin this new year, we've looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the first 11 verses. I just want us to re review real fast here. What has Paul told us are going to be keys for us this coming year? First of all, we have to know who we are in Christ, our identity, sound salvation. Secondly, we have to face the new year by accepting not just the gift of salvation, but the gift of peace. We also need to receive and to give compassionate comfort this year. We need to face the new year with insightful input that comes through the Holy Spirit. We need to face the new year with triumphant trust, steadfastness. And we need to face this new year with partnered prayer. I'll pray for you. I hope you'll pray for me. I believe 2023 can be one of the most incredible, fruitful years for us as individuals and for us as a church. 
if we follow Paul's advice out of the word of God. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today in your word as we've looked into this passage of scripture and as we have pulled out some very important thoughts. And I pray, oh God, that you now will do your work as only the Holy Spirit can. Lord, maybe there's just one of those six thoughts that one of us needs to hear. Help us, Lord, not to think that we have to immediately understand and apply all seven. But I pray right now that you will show each of us the area or areas that we need to work on as we enter 2023. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Give us the boldness and confidence now to do our part, to apply, not just to be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of the word, that we might flourish spiritually, that our roots might go down deep in trials and tribulation, that even though we might not feel like it, we'll continue to praise you through the storms. Even though we might begin to doubt, we'll never have fear. We'll never lose the steadfastness of our faith. We ask, oh God, these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.